Be encouraged by the story of Rahab today on Abounding Grace. And Rahab becomes for us a powerful picture of God's mercy and grace. Yes, she is a harlot. Yes, she's a woman with a bad reputation. She's throwing her life away one day at a time, one man at a time. And yet in the midst of this lost life, God shows up in a big way through these men that immediately show up out of the blue. Like, like she was just living her life and then things changed in an instant. And it's a whole different Bible study altogether, but you need to know that things can change for your life in an instant. This is amazing grace. We're delighted to be with you and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue to make our way through Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, we come now to a woman named Rahab. She was a harlot and had a bad reputation. So you might be wondering, well, why is she in the Hall of Faith? You're about to find out, and all of this serves as a good reminder of God's mercy and grace. Hebrews chapter 11 we're going to be looking at verse 31 today, Hebrews chapter 11 and Joshua chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith Rahab Was Saved. Notice with me in verse 31, Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. You know, studying through the Hall of Faith, which is what chapter 11 of Hebrews is, is an exciting time. We, little would we have known when we started out even studying the book of Hebrews and launching into the chapter 11 when we did, that God would need to build our faith, that, that we would need that in our lives. I mean, I think at, at various times in our lives, we'd think, yeah, I want my faith built. I want to be encouraged. But we actually need it. It's a desperate thing for us to be walking by faith. Because you can see with Rahab's life, there's a great contrast with by faith and those that didn't believe. It was her, her faith that saved her life and her family's life, but also saved her soul. So we've been studying through Hebrews 11, looking at the true story after true story after true story of God's faithfulness that's met with man's faith. You know, God is always faithful, but the way that we get to enjoy it and the way that we get to live with that confidence is by meeting God's faithfulness with our belief, where we take God at His Word and we act out on faith. Now, of course, it's only a small sampling of the men and women over the years who committed their lives to a faithful God, but it's the sampling that God has for us. And remember, it's not the hall of failure. So people aren't remembered for their failure, for their stumbling, for their weaknesses. No, they're, remind, they're remembered, and we're reminded of their faith. So we've been in Hebrews for some time, but I wanted to know, when is it exactly when we started Hebrews 11? 
So I looked it up in my notes. This is our 21st study now in chapter 11. So we've been in just chapter 11 for 21 studies, but we actually started it almost a year ago. That's when our verse 1, chapter 11, when we launched into this study in faith. Remember how we launched into the year 2020? We had a series of Bible studies we entitled, Into Faith We Go. And how would we have been able to know the things that awaited us in this year? The challenges, the tests, the temptations, the, the situation in terms of oppression and suppression, the, the issues of governments and decisions that are outside of our control, let alone the things that you've personally faced, the things that you go through, the, the things that have come on our, it's, it's like layer after layer after layer after layer in this season where it seems like so much is outside of our control. But how do we meet these difficult times? How do we respond? Over and over again, we've learned that we respond by faith. By the time we get to verse 31, it is the 21st, depending on how you're counting, the 21st or 22nd time that we've been reminded by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. There is no other adequate response. We respond to those things that are challenging, those things that are difficult, by faith. According to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, we learn that faith has substance to it. It's not blind faith. It's not leaping into the darkness. No, there's a substance in our faith. Substance means foundation, assurance. It has a guarantee attached to it. Notice, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And secondly, our faith has evidence. The evidence of things not seen. That word evidence, remember, speaks of having a conviction. And we worship a real God with a real conviction in our hearts that there's another unseen world. And by faith, we're trusting God at his word. We're trusting God of what we've learned. Just like many women and men have gone before us. Notice verse 6. You can't please God without faith. In verse 6 of chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You without faith, me without faith, cannot please God. We've got to trust him, notice. Because who, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is essential in our relationship with God. It's the beginning of our relationship with him. It's the middle of our relationship with him. And it will be the end when faith truly becomes reality in his presence. Faith is what pleases God. It's how he desires us to live. And so we have these displays of faith so we can see it in real time. Men and women, just like you and me. Well, in many ways like you and me, but in some ways not at all like you and me. These guys, these gals, without radio, without television, without the internet, without worldwide travel, without airplanes, without trains, without any of the things that you and I have today, without the new covenant, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, without a Bible in their hand, we're able to make massive decisions that led to great endings by faith. 
by faith. God took note of them, not because of their failure, not because of their imperfections or their stumblings or their humanity. Chapter 11 is in the Bible today so that we would learn how to live by faith. And we come today to another woman whose exemplary faith is on display. Her name, it says in verse 31, is Rahab. If you like to write in your Bible, circle the word Rahab. Her, her name has two meanings. The first meaning is violent or fierce. And I think that's how she approached life in a violent, fierce way. We know her as, the Bible says, a harlot, a prostitute. She was a sex worker. The Bible doesn't indicate that it was against her will. It seems that she chose to make a living this way. And that's how she's known throughout the Bible. In verse 31, she's known as the harlot Rahab, but we often remember her as Rahab the harlot. Like that's her name. Rahab, first name, the middle name, harlot, her last name. Violent. Her life was filled with violence, the violence of sin. The second uh, way that her name, the second meaning of her name is wide or deep. Like, like the idea of now, I think she goes from violent and fierce to a deep, wide faith in what she heard. Again, she's a Canaanite. She is a pagan. She's an idol worshiper. She, she is as far as a person could possibly be from God. And she's just living her life. She, she's not upset about it. Uh, there's no indication that she's unhappy with her life. I mean, I, I think she is in the sense that I've dealt with a lot of people. I've lived my own life of sin where outwardly you have this appearance that everything's okay, but inwardly you're filled with dead men's bones. You're just completely overwhelmed with the consequences of your bad decisions. Listen to you moms and dads that are praying for prodigal kids and you're watching them on Facebook and you're seeing them on Instagram and you're like, oh, look at the appearance. It looks like they're having fun. It looks like, and maybe outwardly they're experiencing like Moses said, like Moses resisted sin that brings pleasure for a season but I can guarantee you God is working on them to bring them to the end of themselves and what the pictures might show and the smiles might give you the perception they're not as happy as it seems a, a rebel heart is an unhappy heart and here Rahab living in sin resistant to God. Like this is what she was born into. This is what she lived with. She's living in sin as the sinner that she is, even making a living from it. And I want you, I want you to understand today that Rahab takes away all excuses that we may come up with that someone's outside the reach of God. Because there seems to be those people we think could never be saved, that they've gone too far. And maybe it's a distant person. Maybe it's a, a person that you don't know personally. Perhaps it is a person you know personally that you're just like, no, I don't think there's any hope for them. They're too far gone. And you may come to that conclusion with Rahab. You know, we live around Rahabs. They're all over. They're in our neighborhoods. They're up and down. Like, like I was thinking of Rahab today as I was processing this whole study, kind of studying through, and, and it began last night thinking about, look, we have a whole street that goes through many cities that are dedicated to Rahabs. You can drive up and down Colfax, and you can see on either side of the street those that are sinning, living in sin because they're sinners. 
because that's the life that they've chose, or perhaps it's the life that was imposed upon them through a series of bad decisions. And this is where they are, the down and out. And it seems as if, it seems as if the attitude like the religious of Jesus' day, that there is this sense among believers just to avoid all that. I don't want to see it. I don't want anything to do with it. And, you know, let let the people call to the Rahabs. Let them deal with the Rahabs. Listen, church, you are called to the Rahabs. And they're not just on Colfax. Now, I know this Bible study will go out uh, to other cities around the country, even around the world. Can I just say this? Every city in every state across the United States has their own Colfax. And it doesn't have to be just downtown. It's not just downtown. It's in the suburbs. Sin is everywhere. And no one's outside the reach of God. But you can see how easy it is to just turn your eye and turn a blind eye to people that are hurting with some judgmental attitude. Well, she's a prostitute. What do you expect? Well, I'll tell you what I expect. In a moment of time, God sends two people that just show up in Rahab's life and forever change. Everything is changed in her life. Because two people representing God, representing the nation of Israel, show up right into her house. And God has dispatched the believers, salt and light on the earth, to show up in people's life. But but we tend to not embrace the changes that God brings in our life. You you know, you you go through a a challenging, fearful time. You go, well, I just lost my job. And and instead of being excited where God's going to take you next, we become fearful. We become upset. Because you know, I, I used to work with a brother who used to say, uh, as we were talking about going through layoffs, because they always talked about layoffs at work, and I would share an office, I shared an office with Larry, and Larry would always tell me this, I found this job, I was looking for a job when I found this job. And what he was saying is like, hey, I've gone from job to job, and God has never let me down. And I'm telling you, there are Rahabs that God wants to connect you with, and wants to connect me with, but if we turn a blind eye to them, And we become judgmental. Or better yet, we get involved in things that aren't eternal. The church has one purpose and one purpose only. To glorify God. And in glorifying God, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the hurting and the down and out. Who do you think Jesus Christ came to save? Sinners. Like you and like me. And I'm grateful he came to save six sinners like me and like you. Rahab is an example that God goes after the uttermost. She's as lost as lost can be. And look, there is very little chance that God will call you and me to build an ark in our front lawn. There's very little chance that God is going to call us to lead two and a half million people out of slavery in Egypt. There's very little chance like Enoch that we're going to live for hundreds and hundreds of years. But there's a great chance, like a 100% chance, that God wants to use you to reach a Rahab and not to write people off, not to become so high-minded and judgmental, not to live in Christianity, but to abide in Christ. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference of becoming religious and abiding in Christ. And you know, we write people off far too quickly, even if it's just in our own hearts. Let Rahab encourage you. Come over to Joshua chapter 2 now because we'll get the full story. Now, it's interesting to me that the author to the Hebrews, I think, uh, is Paul. He gives us the 
the falling down of the walls of Jericho first, even though that doesn't come chronologically in Joshua. What comes chronologically in the book of Joshua is they meet Rahab first. And notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Joshua, it says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went out and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And I'm telling you, every time Rahab is mentioned, the sin of her life is mentioned. God wants us to understand something, that it doesn't matter what somebody's caught up in, God loves to meet the sinner where they're at. And here again, this is her life. This is what she's associated with. And notice, they send two spies in. Now, those of you Bible students remember that when Moses came to the edge of the promised land, they didn't send two spies in. How many did they send in? Twelve. A leader from every tribe. They sent 12 spies into the land. And remember, when the spies came back, 10 of them came back with a bad report, a discouraging report, which demoralized the nation, which led to their rebellion and resistance, which led to 40 years of wilderness wandering. This is the next generation coming in under Joshua. And remember, this is, you had 12 spies, 10 came back with a bad report, Two came back with a good report. One was named Caleb. The other one was named Joshua. Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. And as they come back with a good report, now Joshua gets to live it out. Caleb does too. The rest of the generation has died in the wilderness. It reminds me of a couple of things. Number one, you can see 12 people that experience the same exact thing but respond differently. 12 people, they experienced the exact same thing, the exact same promise of God. God told them, God told them that he was going to give them the land. God promised to them that he was going to give them the land. But they were sent in to spy it out so they could bring a report. 10 people see the giants and say, oh, woe is us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. 10 of them see the big walled cities and they go, oh, it'll never happen. We'll never defeat. I know what God promised, but it can't happen. Trust me, we saw it with our own eyes. But two, they come back and go, hey, man, let's take it. God said we have, let's take it. It's hard. There are giants in the land. You're right. There are walled cities, true. But God has promised for us to take the land. We're taking it. And yet the ten drowned out the two. It reminds me of something else. As you have 12 people or like any trial, you know, when a trial hits a family in a home, there's different responses in that home. That everyone's experiencing the same trial, but there are different responses. Here we have 12 people experiencing the same scenario, but we have different responses. But I also think of the church at large today experiencing very much the same trial, but there are many responses to it. We want to be careful how we respond because our responses influence other people. So little did the 10 elders of the people know that they would completely demoralize the entire, the entire nation because bad news travels fast. And people that were otherwise not discouraged and people that were otherwise not bummed out and people that were otherwise not filled with fear had their fear, their, had their emotions, had their whole attitude changed because... These guys decided not to respond in faith, and it cost them dearly. Church, be careful how you respond to the trials in your life. 
Be careful how you publicly respond. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you write. Be careful what you post because it will influence other people. And if you choose to respond in a way, like listen, when you respond in the flesh, other people are going to join you in the flesh. And you, when you respond in the spirit, other people will join you in the spirit. And the question is, how is it that we want to be used? Do we want to be used like the 10 that come back and go, oh, there are giants in the land, but God said there'd be giants in the land. And the 10 go, oh no, I don't know what we're going to do. The cities are big. God said the cities would be big. And we want to be those men and women that inspire faith. And here Joshua, he's wise. He doesn't send 12 spies. He only sends two. Two good report, he sends two in. Notice what happens in verse 2 now. It was told the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, Bring out the men you've come to you who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly that you might overtake them. Verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. These men are stealth and they're wise. It reminds me what Jesus taught us. When he said that I'm sending you out into the world, I want you what? To be wise as serpents. How? Gentle as doves. That is to be our response in a hostile culture. That's our study. That's what we're learning on Wednesday nights in First Peter. What the women will be going through in the women's Bible study. Learning how to live in a hostile culture. Learning how to navigate through a house, how to respond in tough times. What is God's heart for us as believers in hostile times? Here are two men going into a city that wants to destroy them, wants to kill them. They're going in with espionage. They want to spy out the land so that they can come and be prepared. They don't know yet. They have no idea of the military campaign that God is going to give. They, they don't know yet that here's the order. The order of God is march around the city and then yell. That's how I'm going to give it to you. They don't know. They're going in to size everything up so they can militarily take this city down. And they do something very wise. They head into town and immediately connect up with the prostitutes. Oh, not for immoral reasons, but for practical reasons. Because in their mind, I'm sure they're thinking, hey, there's a lot of men coming, strange men coming in and out of this woman's house all the time. They won't, mention, they won't notice another two. Well, they were noticed, and they got snitched on. And as they come to Rahab, bring those men, Rahab has already activated her faith in God. And she says, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to protect them. And Rahab becomes for us a powerful picture of God's mercy and grace. Yes, she is a harlot. Yes, she's a woman with a bad reputation. She's throwing her life away one day at a time, one man at a time. And yet in the midst of this lost life, God shows up in a big way through these men that immediately show up out of the blue. Like, like she was just living her life and then things changed in an instant. 
And it's a whole different Bible study altogether, but you need to know that things can change for your life in an instant. We're going through Hebrews one verse at a time here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program, and you can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. We also have a podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. And thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to the ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, you're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's devotional masterpiece, The Pursuit of God. In it, Tozer seeks to make his readers thirsty for intimacy with the Lord, and it will leave you inspired to seek God more passionately and intimately. You can start your pursuit today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and are not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.